Good Monday morning, everybody. My name is Eric Bjorndorf. You're watching Finance and Technology Insights with Brian and Eric. Today is Monday, February 7th, 2022. How's it going, Brian? Good, good. Everything's good here. How about you? Doing pretty good, doing pretty good. Today's my older daughter's ninth birthday, so we had a little celebration this morning, um, which was nice. Uh, she's getting into, into that point in her life where she's FaceTiming with friends and mess text messaging. And, um, she asked, she asked for a Nintendo switch. So we got her one of those, which, uh, I'm hoping to be a, a slight beneficiary of something to play Mar I haven't played Mario Kart in maybe a, a dozen years or so. So I'm looking forward to that. So that was, and we, she had, um, and we had a, uh, she had a birthday party on Saturday. So that's what we were doing this weekend. You're going to have to practice during the day just to keep up with her on that stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you know, the, the, the new Nintendo has this like little itty bitty controller that they adapt to their mobile, the mobile form factor. Uh, Cause it's like a, a tablet type device. And then you can cradle it and then it'll send, and then you can plug it into the, to the TV and the controllers on either side slide off and become the controller. And um in my opinion, it looks like they're um, they're neither good as the mobile controller or as a standalone kind of TV controller. So they it's kind of like a I don't know they didn't specialize. You know, I you know we grew up with the kind of everybody has the same controller, but the switch seems to have like a left and right, and it's a different experience depending on which controller you pick up. I don't know. we'll see, we'll see how that that works out, but. It's kind of fun. She's getting into that age where um, she's every year she seems to be doing some something more mature that, you know, is a little more interesting to, uh, you know, to the parents, you know? Right, right. Yeah. And so what are your device controls on phone situation and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. So we, you know, we're, you know, we're a technology family. So the kids, have, you know, the kids were born with a screen in their hand, basically, Um we're in the Apple ecosystem and Apple has really great uh, parent and family controls. So we can control the screen time, app access. When she, uh, when the, when the kids want to download an app or I got a request over the weekend for, I think it was like, I don't know, 20 bucks. She wanted to buy Ro this, this game called Roblox they're playing. And they, it, she wanted to basically buy she wanted permission to buy virtual currency in the game. So I guess she could buy other things. Um, like, I don't know. I don't even know what they're buying. I, I guess skins for their characters and levels or something like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, they, they, you know, they've, they've, they've been with technology from day one. Um, and it's nice because they don't, I remember when I was a kid, we were, we didn't have a Nintendo for a lot of years. And so, you know, there was a, there was kind of an obsession to trying to go, try to go to Tommy's house down the street who has Nintendo, you know what I mean? Or Atari back then. And, um, and then when I finally did get one as a teen, it, it, it was kind of like a thing, you know, it's, uh, we spent a lot of time on it because it was kind of a, you know, a rarity, rare item. But um, I remember my friends who grew up, you know, always had the things they, you know, they, they enjoyed them, but it wasn't, you know, obsessive level, you know. Um, so the girls are like that too. So they don't, they don't obsess over the technology. It's there when they want to use it. And, you know, they're happy to put it down. And the girls are, are into crafts. They do a lot of arts and crafts. So they, they actually split their time pretty well between the, the real and the virtual, so to speak. That's good. Yeah, yeah. It's a tough balance. You want them to obviously learn the technology. You don't want them going into high school or colleges as you know, not having seen the stuff before, but you want to make sure you're monitoring it, who they talk to and when they talk to. So that's a pretty good thing. I know my sister is going through that with uh, my nephew, who's about 13. The guys are probably a little bit different. You have to handle it a little bit differently, but um yeah, it's going to be a challenge for you. You got your work cut out for you your next few years. Yeah, I mean, our, our parenting approach is, 
you know, we teach them about the world and we, and we, and the lesson about each lesson about the world is age appropriate. So not, mm -hmm. so not to expose them to the awfulness of the world, but, um, you know, just kind of in preparation, like we say things like, if you see something that makes you feel uncomfortable, let us know right away or let, let an adult know right away. Um, if anybody says anything that makes you feel, you know, we start with that. Um, and then we say things like, you know, there's a lot of things on the internet that you're not going to like, and you're not going to want to see. And there's a lot of things you can't unsee. So, uh, you know, just, uh, just go in knowing that. So that's kind of the way we, we deal with it. And um, I, you know, we do their their devices are open so they don't feel like they need privacy so to speak on the on the conversation side of things so they don't they don't seem to need to there's no cloak and dagger so it's a very you know we're kind of very open about it so you know that's so far so good and and they're coming up with the technology my my you know the nine-year-old uh for fun if you can imagine this for fun makes powerpoints Wow. She, she, she just makes PowerPoint presentations and she loves uh, dragging pictures in there and, and doing text boxes. And uh, she loves playing with the fonts and, and then she loves doing the presentation. And she always said, daddy, put, put this on the screen. I want to, you know, we're all doing TV time or something. She says, daddy, I want to show you my presentation. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. And of no prompting from us. So she, you know, she's got a laptop and she's, mm -hmm. you know, so anyways, that, that was, uh, that was our weekend. How about you? Um, did you yeah. go to Disney this weekend? <laughs> no, I did. I did not. No, my my mother was here. She's been staying with us for a little while now. She came. Uh, so if you remember, uh, like the weekend of Martin Luther King uh, Jr. that holiday, we went up there to visit her, and then the weather was kind of iffy, and we planned to stay the three days with no school on Monday. We ended up coming back on Sunday. So then we had the idea: well, why don't you just follow us back and stay with us for? for a little while and that little while was turned out to be about three weeks which was fine which is fine it's good to have her here and uh my son enjoyed it so he got a lot of grammy time but oh, she just great. left she left yesterday so she uh she headed home you know she she liked it here i mean three weeks is a lot i wouldn't want to be away away from home for three weeks right um so you know you and think she's only you, and, she's only in albany anyways right yeah she's about three hours away so uh, you know, in the winter, you want to make sure the house is, you know, that's everybody's fear that, you know, that your roof collapses or caves in or, you know, some crazy right. stuff like that, even though it's maybe not really rational, but that's everybody's concern. But uh, yeah, she got back and the driveway was, was cleaned out and, and whatever. Yeah. So um, yeah, so she should be pretty good there for the rest of the rest of the winter lasts a little bit longer up there, but uh, we don't have any snow in the forecast except a little bit of for today so um yeah i saw that... um channel eight just uh blinged on my phone that schools are starting to announce early dismissals so we'll see where i know um it's no secret you're in southington i'm in west mm -hmm. hartford so yeah. although you don't you don't have school well your son is in chi child care yeah yeah he's in a full day daycare so he he goes more than a full day he goes in from about 6 30 to 3 so he's got a long oh. day uh, so, and my wife teaches high school in Cheshire, so she may be out early, although they, they were closed on Fridays and nothing really happened. So I don't know. Were you closed on Friday? Yeah, fr we were closed on Friday and it was a big nothing burger. So yeah. um, it's, it's funny how, I, you know, the, the super, our superintendent is, I think, beloved by the town in large part, and he's very vocal and we get it. We get his frequent emails and it's all, it's all. It's all very kumbaya, and I think sometimes a little bit of that goes into decision making, and it's like uh, bad call. You know, it's like it's classic. You know, superintendent making a bad call on weather is is so classic. So, yeah. I I don't I don't fault him for it. I'm sure it's a it's a big responsibility to make sure that some kid doesn't uh, wipe out on an icy sidewalk or something like that. Um, but we, you know, I woke up, I was kind of surprised to see the snowflakes, uh, you know, light accumulation and then, and then to see the notice that maybe we're going to get early dismissal. So we'll see, maybe one of one or both of us are going to get a half day. Yeah, maybe we'll see about that. 
I know the, uh, yeah, it's an interesting thing with the school closings, right? Because, you know, the old timers all talk about how they, you know, walk to school and three feet of snow. both ways and and three feet of snow. (laughs) And I get it. There's something to toughness, but at the end of the day, what are you trying to prove? Like what, what's the point of putting buses on the road if they're not safe? It's like, just stay home. I mean, they just, they just did it for a year anyway. They got the, you know, these kids have the laptops a day at home. Isn't going to kill them. So I, I um, agree. But, you know, there I remember um, I think last summer there was conversation about how they were going to treat snow days um, post COVID. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, I'm a technologist. It's like, we, you know, a snow day on the academic calendar should be a thing of the past since working from home is, you know, at least for, you know, first grade through through. Uh, you know, through high school, it just seems like the snow day should just be a thing of the past and it shouldn't impact the school calendar. But uh, still, you know, change is so hard to move into people's psyche sometimes. And the the nostalgia that people have for the quote unquote snow day right. is seems to be lingering. Uh, so there is so something days, there is something to that mentally being 10 years old and finding out that there's a waking up to a snow day and that you get to go outside and make a snowman and have a I'm, snowball fight with the neighbors there's something to that so yeah brian i don't disagree with that and for that like what would be the problem in um you know the kids could get full day credit and still operate maybe in four for four hours worth of work sure. you, you know early dismissals and early and late um openings still give the kids credit for the day you know the the statutory uh school day you know what i mean so so you know the the school the snow day could still be a snow day it's just a virtual snow day i mean it's you know giving the kids a late opening virtually and, and or a late or early closing so they can have that still that the joys of the snow day but still you know i'm looking at it from kind you know don't forget when they log a snow day, I, I don't know how many they bank before they start ta- extending the school year into June. Do you, do you know what that number is? Like? I think it's different. They're going county by county right now. So in Connecticut, you're or, uh, group by group, I guess they're, they're trying to do. So they're trying to align districts together a little bit more. So I think it, it depends on, on what county you're in. Um, right. So I know my sister teaches in New York. What they do is they have two snow days for that reason. Like, all right, you get the the joy of having a snow day. And then it's like, all right, on the third one, we're virtual. You know, you get your two snow days. And then after that, log in. um, So I think that's probably a fair way to do it. That's and that's that I think that's a fair, reasonable, Mm -hmm. practical way of doing that. I, you know, sure, you still get the that the the fantasy joy feeling of a snow Mm -hmm. day, but certainly the you know, extending the school year into, into June for nostalgic reasons. I mean, it's like, come on. So good. <laughs> teachers will tell you those days aren't productive anyway. Um, especially if they've got state or national exams that are scheduled a certain day and the kids know they're already done with all their tests. I mean, going to school on June 27th or 28th after everything's done, is just a recipe for disaster anyway. So that's not a good right. plan. Yeah. So, and what about, um, about, uh, technology parenting your son I, i'm sorry i forget your son's three yeah yep before in april yeah so he's so picked he's, up a he's picked up a touch screen before i'm sure he does yeah he knows uh he actually um some <laughs> he was in my bed the other morning he very rarely is he kind of allowed in but this was kind of a weekend thing and he had a little issue and he was awake at like five. So I was like, all right, just come in our bed. And he had grabbed my phone and actually made a phone call, called somebody I knew. And I had to, I saw it like the, just the glow of it. And uh, I had to grab it and turn it off. Cause I didn't have any kind of lock on it or whatever. So um, like, all right, well, That's he so knows funny. how to do that. It wasn't a, a intentional. I don't think he said I'll make a phone, but he was just pressing buttons and that happened. So, um, but no, he's, he's very well aware of what shows are on disney plus and what's on youtube and what's recorded on youtube tv so because you know with my grandmother around or my mother around his grandmother around you know he had to instruct her like oh i want to watch this show that's on disney plus so right you know that that show's halfway done you have to rewind it to the beginning or you know that that one's recorded on youtube tv you got to go get it there and so he knows how to get at that stuff so it's funny my my wife who is 
not a technology uh, centric person at all. Um, she's so happy that I am for the both of us, but um, like she's, she's, you know, she's had an iPhone for, I think since iPhones came out in 2007. Uh, but before we got married, she, every time she got a new phone, she would lose all of her photos. And, you know, if you have, if you have even like this, the slightest configuration set on an iPhone, you, you know, your data and your photos will just live in your iCloud account. And every time you get a new iPhone or uh, it would, you know, it just pulls down to your devices. So when we met, she just, she didn't know anything about her iCloud account and she was just constantly losing just all of her photos. So she doesn't have, you know, I've got, I've got a trove of digital photos dating, I think since like 99, 2000, something like that. And she, you know, her photo his, his historical record kind of starts when, you know, when we, when we um, kind of took up together. So, um, oh, and then to that vein, what's my point? So um, our daughter used to format her phone, you know, on an iPhone. I don't know how you're, you're an Android user, right? I am. Yep. So on an iPhone, if you enter you, it's configurable the amount I think, but the default is maybe like 10 times or something. But if you enter an incorrect uh, pass screen passcode on the face, you know, to unlock your phone, the phone will automatically format as a protection measure. And, um, our daughter used to format my, my wife's phone all the time because she just didn't care. She'd like leave the phone down and, you know, our daughter would pick it up and just start banging on the, the screen, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and she'd be like, Oh, my phone, my phone's not working. I can't use my phone. She would just have like a new, like, you know, set, it would be like, welcome to I, uh, iPhone. And it would like be the setup. Oh, geez. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. But kids pick that stuff up quick. They, uh, they can teach us in a hurry because it's so new. It's fresh to them. They don't, they don't have any of those preconceived ideas about, about the way something should work or, you know, should work. I mean, a basic digital phone, natives. Yeah. And a, a, a basic phone call without, video is like kids don't like understand that they're like oh you're talking to grammy let me see the phone it's like no it's just a phone call it's not there's nothing to see you know <laughs> right. but, uh, yeah that seems weird to them it's like if you can call them on a video why call them without video right yeah you know? so yeah i love it yeah it's funny but they so uh, what what's um what's new in business what happened last week yeah, dude, still doing uh, a lot of video stuff. Uh, we didn't. Uh, this is probably after we did our podcast last week, but we did uh, a few TikTok videos, experimenting with that a little bit. Uh, just Great, I saw that. The idea of doing some of that, uh, some of that format, the phone format, because then you you can share it to the reels, and then it'll show up in in Facebook, and you can put it on the YouTube Shorts. So that was just kind of an extreme, extreme beta mode, but. Uh, trying to get those under a minute, but yet say something productive. I mean, obviously TikTok is not the most productive platform typically, but to be able to just get something out there sort of quickly and just a, another way to reach people or uh, reach potential customers or really just educate. I mean, you're not trying to pitch somebody in 57 seconds, but uh, so that was kind of fun. I'll continue to experiment that. I ended up starting a separate YouTube channel, just, just kind of a sandbox to play around with that. So it didn't affect my main one, but, uh, for your shorts, would you yes, call it my shorts? Yeah. So, right. uh, I was just investing shorts, but, um, yeah, I don't You're, know. One of the videos over the weekend had like 250 views, which I guess is pretty decent for, that's awesome for a channel that, uh, just started. Um, but you're, I, you're an inspiration, man. I love it. When you sent me those, I, I, I just, it's so cool to see you just kind of, you're doing the thing. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see if it's productive or not. The problem is, you know, you do that stuff for so long to find out if it, you know, does anything. And it's, it's, it's amazing all the data and information that's available, but yet you still don't until it translates into something meaningful, you know, either by making a change or something business-wise, you know, it's hard to, hard to see what, you know, the effectiveness of it, I guess you'd say, you know, you can sure. see the number of people viewed and how they found it and how long they watched it and all that kind of stuff. But it's not like somebody's going to see your TikTok video and call you and book an appointment right away. I guess it's possible, but, uh, you know, are there it's, it's, for the content creation on, on the, they call, you know, the, the people who create content, they call them content creators, right? So on the content creator side of the dashboard, mm -hmm. is there an analytics tool that you can see like 
you know, I know like as a Facebook user, we're, we're technically creating content, but not from the kind of advertising side of the house. I mean, for anybody who doesn't know yet, I mean, all these social networks are just advertising agencies. Um, are you in the content creators dashboards, so to speak? Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm more familiar with the YouTube data than I am probably with any other platform. I mean, I mean, I know I could go on TikTok and, and Instagram and just look at the number of views and, and that kind of stuff, but I haven't really gotten too much on the, on the back. Oh, so I don't you really may care be... that much, but. Oh, okay. So you may be on the user creation side of the house. Yeah. So you may not, you may not be in the ad, kind of the creator side. Right. And they may like... not, they may not have it. I don't know. Like, like, yeah. does your, are you able to configure, do you know what a call, a call to action is a CTA? Yeah. Yep. Do you, are you, are you, is there like some interface in TikTok to create a call for the viewers and listeners, a call to action is, um, anytime you see a, a video or ad or anything and it's, and you know, it's just some pronounced button to click here and then it takes you to a, a form sign up or, uh, so a landing page or an external page that further details the information that's called a call to action or a CTA. So when you create in TikTok, does it, does there, is there like a section where it says, do you want to configure a CTA or a call to action if somebody clicks you on know, your video? I think that's only uh, probably like on a paid advertisement type of thing. But what you can do is you can put a couple links in your TikTok profile. So that's what people say, you know, for more information, click on my profile. And oh, gotcha. you can have a link to your YouTube channel, or you can use, uh, like I use Linktree, like, and you can, you can use something like that, that that'll Got give it. them that link to Linktree to go to everything else. And, and Instagram is, is pretty similar too, but they can always, you know, like the video or subscribe and follow and all that kind of stuff. Um, Got it. Yeah. Got it. Cool. Yeah, yeah, you're an inspiration, man. I love it. I love seeing you tinker with these things. Um, I'm not much of an, I'm just not much of an audio video kind of geek. So I, it's not the kind of geekery I, I do kind of for funsies, but I do, I, I, I mean, I get it. I love it. And I, and I so respect you and the people who uh, do it. Me, my father and I, <laughs> my father's kind of an amateur photog and a shutterbug, he used to call himself. And he, he loves buying the, the cameras and the equipment and he loves tinkering with it. He's doing a lot of drone stuff now. And, you know, he, we, he wanted to launch a YouTube channel for my, for my aviation, for our, our flying, um, the flying that we do. And we have some videos recorded, but I told him like, dad, I, I just don't want to sit in front of Adobe premiere or iMovie for, you know, 40 hours chopping up and editing a video. So it's, um, I tip my hat to you guys who, who are into that. I mean, I, I think it's a cool, it's cool. It's a cool craft. I just personally, not how I like to spend my time, you know? Right. And it's not something I would have necessarily been into yeah, you know, three or four years ago. I mean, I'm probably more like you hardware or software or, you know, spreadsheet type of person, but, um, you know, it's just fun. You look for, you know, certainly during the pandemic, that was the way to communicate with people, maybe not TikTok, right. but you had right. to get your message out in different formats without, you know, your standard networking meetings or business after hours, that kind of stuff. So um, more of a necessity you, than everything. Than I anything. can tell you the way I like to spend my time. Last week, I, you know, every day I get hammered by um, would-be vendors or service providers wanting mm -hmm. to sell me some some tool or service something and i i was solicited by a vendor who has um you know what calendly is yes so yeah, i use that oh you do you okay yeah. so so for the viewers and listeners calendly is a is a pretty common if not de facto leader in the the scheduling service space uh microsoft has a product called bookings that's come that comes with office 365 i, I used that for a little bit because it just came with the, with our suite and then i went to calendly because it had better integration but what it does is it allows you to present your calendar to external users so they can they can book time on your calendar and it's helpful for sales. It's helpful for service. It's helpful. I mean, it's helpful for when you're just kind of interfacing with a lot of external contacts and, and instead of having to, it solves the problem of, of 
the back and forth of, Hey, um, I want to get some time with you. When are you available? And then you look at your calendar and then you transpose, you know, dates and times that you're available in an email. And you say, here are the times I'm available. And then they come back and say, here are the times I'm available. And then you confirm times that you're available together. And somebody creates a meeting Calendly just says, here's, here's my schedule, click this. And it takes them to a, to a link and, and, uh, and a calendar with your real, with your actual availability. And then they can, you know, the process of booking, goes right on to your calendar and their calendar. It's a nice, nice little efficient tool. So I was on Calendly for a while. So if you were, if you go to our website, evernetco.com and you're a prospective business owner or business manager, and you're looking for a new IT company, you go to our website and we call it the discovery call, which is a free, you know, call where we, where I meet with a prospective client, just listening to the, you know, the pain points in the business and, and that, um, that, you know, that's a discovery call we call it. And, and so the process of booking a discovery call, you go to the website, you click at the very bottom, you know, discovery call, and then bam, you get my Calendly. And it was well working well, but it, um, Calendly did, didn't integrate with our practice management software. And that's the software that we predominantly run and operate our business out of. And, um, oh, excuse me. I mean, that's embarrassing getting a phone call. Sorry about that. No problem real professional here at uh, <laughs> finance and technology insights. So anyways, um, thinking that I was good to go, this vendor solicited me and said, Hey, we have a calendar, a calendar booking uh, product that integrates with your practice management software. And I kind of, I kind of like shrugged it off at first. And, and then I um, got another, I think they solicited me through a chat on Facebook, LinkedIn or Facebook. And then he followed up with an email and said, here's a link to a product demo that you can see. And I clicked it and I started watching it. And it was a podcast uh, demo kind of interview of the product. And I started watching it. I said, oh, wow, having that integrate with my practice management software actually would bring me pretty, uh, pretty good value. And the price was on parity with Calendly. So I just kind of did a deep dive. So anyways, long story short, I spent basically three, uh, three full business days last week, learning about the product, re reviewing the product, and then um, testing the product, and then making a decision on it, and then implementing the product with my staff. So that that's the kind of thing that I like to do. Um, you know, finding new ways. Oh, yeah. You're, are you on my website? I am. Yeah. So this so, is this is not Calendly, right? You made the change already? Um, you're screen is a little slower than so i'm not seeing in real time it, okay. did you hit the discovery button yeah oh. yep i'm down here so i have uh scheduled date and time with evernet discovery call um, yeah thanks for giving that that plug there yeah the the um let me just follow you so yeah you go to the website you scroll down uh schedule discovery call and then it takes you yeah there so there's a perfect example so mm -hmm. that is schedule date and time for your evernet discovery call with the account sales and accounts team and then you can, you know, you can see that not all days are available and that is reading my calendar in real time. Right. So the days that are not available, you know, that I don't have no availability and you can set rules as you know, so you can, you can, you can have buffer times. So, you know, uh, um, people aren't kind of going back to back appointments and, you know, stressing you out. So you can say like, um, give me 30 minutes after every appointment as buffer time. So, uh, you know, two appointments can be uh, kind of bumper to bumper. And this software is great because everything we do is out of our business, our practice management software, um, including kind of the sales process. So, um, and I can talk ad nauseum about why that's important, but in summary, you, you want to, anytime you track, anytime you spend on a, on a client, a client's account, you really should be tracking your time on that. So you, your practice management software keeps track of how much you get, you earn, so to speak, your cost metric as an, as a human resource. And then you, you know, we record, we record all of our time spent with on client matters, and then you can actually run profitability reports at the account level. And you can see with a high degree of accuracy, your profitability uh, for all of your clients. And it's important to capture your sales data because then you can get, you can start deriving what is an incredibly important metric called the cost of customer acquisition. 
And most people don't know how much it actually costs them to get a new customer. And um, I don't know if you ever watched Shark Tank. Do you ever watch Shark Tank? Oh, yeah. Yep. So the sharks pretty often, I haven't watched it in a number of years because it kind of got repetitive and uninteresting for me. But um, when I was watching it for the first few seasons, the customer acquisition cost was one of the metrics that if a founder came into that room and didn't know what their customer acquisition cost was, it was almost like uh, a non-starter for them. Because if you don't understand that growing a business is basically coming up with a product and service to address an addressable market and then knowing what the cost is to operate in that market, which, you know, the customer acquisition cost is really important because then it's just like, okay, well, if, if our product costs, you know, $5, but it costs us $6 to acquire a customer, that's all, that's like a non-starter, you know, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, so, absolutely. Little, little tangent there, way big tangent, but anyways, <laughs> no, that's, that's yeah, that's it. I mean, there's a lot to a lot to cover with that alone. I mean, we've thought about that a lot in our business too, because we have to deal with vendors or wholesalers or whatever you want to call them. So, I actually know some other. So, one of the things that I do is I have a separate Calendly, Calendly. It's such a hard word to say. The link that's just L Y at the end. Yeah, I know. It only took me like a year to to realize that last L was there, but um, <laughs> so one of the things that I do is I have a separate calendar link for those you know, wholesalers or whatever. And it's at like low value hours, you know, so like Friday afternoons or something like that. And that's the only time that's available. So it's like, all right, three 30 on a Friday, I'll listen to your pitch about, you know, whatever. Right. So those, you know, I'm not going to take up a prime, you know, 10 o'clock on a Tuesday or something like that. So, so I've right. set up a separate link for them and th those are the only times that are available. It's either like late in the day stuff, you know, four 30, you know, something like that. So, um, so I have that. I also know some other advisors who, who've actually made that kind of a, uh, paid thing. So it's kind of funny. Yep. Like you get into the psychology of it. It's like, all right, you're trying to sell me a product. Would you, would you pay five bucks to get on my calendar for, you know, 15 minutes or, you know, you could obviously go up from there, but, but it kind oh, that's of that's interesting. That, so, yeah. So for the, the people soliciting them, they, they have to pay for their time. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of, kind of interesting way to do that. Um, I've heard some people do that. So, That's um, interesting. yeah. And then, you know, one of my suggestions for, for you for content and, and I've started to go down this path with some of the, the mutual fund or ETF representatives. It's like, all right, you want to tell me about your funds and tell me why I should be investing in your funds and let's, let's do it live in the, in the words of the great Bill O'Reilly, right? We'll do it live. Let's just get it on the, uh, let's just get it on a zoom and we'll record it. We'll have our conversation, but we'll, we'll put it out to the YouTube channel, we'll put it out to Facebook group. And, uh, and so that becomes your new content, right? So instead of, oh, geez, I gotta, I gotta meet with this vendor for half an hour. It's like, all right, I'm producing a piece of content. I'm going to, I'm going to show my clients what I'm doing for them when I'm not in front of them. Um, are you, are you setting me up right now with this? setting you up no why yeah oh okay did, did i tell you i did i tell you what um what my idea was for our evernet youtube channel well we talked about it a little bit yeah and, and that's that's why i'm i'm bringing this up but yeah, yeah I think you're, that's, you're, you're setting yeah. me up all right got it yeah so anyways uh sorry i just not to not to hijack you i just thought you were kind of like segueing you were building the segue for me yeah yeah take it um so anyway but what, what you're talking about is um yeah so so the other thing, the other thing um, that kind of came out of development for me last week was the, you know, I haven't launched you, you have a YouTube channel for North Shire Consulting, for example, right. and you're showing great success, if you ask me, uh, on that effort. I haven't done a YouTube channel. I've been wanting to do a YouTube channel for my company, Evernet, for, for quite some time now, but I didn't know what to put out. I didn't, I didn't want to just put self-serving content or basically advertisement roles, you know, you know, why Evernet's the greatest business and IT services and consulting company out there. I just, so I just didn't want to, I didn't do, I haven't done anything because I didn't know what the, what the content model would be. And um, as I was researching this product last week to replace Calendly, I'm watching literally a kind of a, a it was a YouTube uh, video 
and it was a, I think it was another consulting company that was interviewing these guys. Um, Time Zest is the, is the product that I ended up going with. And they just basically, it was the sales executives at, and the sales team at uh, Time Zest that was basically doing a product demo. And so I, um, I said, oh, you know what? I could probably do that w- with the vendors that my clients use and just schedule demos and just get demos and reviews of their product. I mean, it's not a novel idea. I don't know why it was, you know, I'm sometimes late to the dance, but um, anyway, so that's what I've been doing. That's what I was starting to do last week was kind of um, solicit vendors of of our clients and say, hey, um, we're going to launch a YouTube review channel. Do you want to spotlight your product? Yeah, I think that's a great way to go. It's a it's a win for everybody. I mean, they probably like getting their name out there for content, right? That's something that they can do that, uh, you know, you're going to record and do the work and I guess post it and all that kind of stuff. So it helps them with their SEO and their backlinks and all that kind of stuff. You're doing work you would have done anyway. So it's not, right. you know, it's not a high edit, the, you know, value. You're just going to put it up there a little, little intro or whatever. And, um, and your clients so did you see... see- did yeah. you say that you're you are doing that with the with the fund managers, or that's just an yeah, idea that I've, you have? I've done a couple of those. I've had um, I've even done a couple like book type interviews, so people that have come out with books. So uh, oh, I wanted awesome. to do do more of that fourth quarter. I just didn't get didn't get around to it. But one day I just went on on Amazon, and what I did is I went to like the finance books that I did. So they have recently released, but then they have like coming in the next thirty or ninety days. Oh, everybody wants to promote, right? Yeah. So I just went through and like five that were interesting. I just found them somewhere. And um, the one that I wanted ended up like just responding to me on Twitter. Um, I just sent him a, found him on Twitter and sent him a direct message and who ended up connecting. He was a guy in, uh, in Oslo of all places. And he wrote this book called Trillions that was, uh, that basically chronicled the whole index fund revolution and how that all sort of, sort of came about. So, um, but yeah, that was the first one I did. I thought it went pretty well. Um, but yeah, and then you can kind of slice those up and I've, I've used bits of his content in, in other pieces and, and things like that. So did, did you um, have to go through the, the structure of contracting or getting, getting a sign? Sorry, again, I don't, I should turn that off. Signed release. No, I, he, no, we didn't really do any of that. I mean, I kind of, he had done a bunch of them after it was kind of cool to see him like a few weeks later, he was on CNBC and he was Uh on Bloomberg. And I, I noticed going back, like, if I go back to my views, like he'd be on CNBC for like five minutes and then people would go to YouTube and search. And then they'd find my video that was like, Oh, that's awesome. You know, it was like longer form content. So, um, so yeah, that was, uh, I'd like to do more of those. And he was, he was like a perfect guest. Obviously it all depends. Those shows are built around the guests, but very funny guy. Very, he, he's a great follow on Twitter. Cause he, he does some, some really funny stuff. We're super smart guy, but. Uh, How are the views on that video that you did? They're pretty good. Um, it was, it wasn't the greatest, uh, I guess, production wise. It was okay. I did some sort of fun things on there. Um, but, uh, it was funny the way, the way I recorded it, like my piece didn't come out that great, but I had like a full recording of him. So I ended up cutting out like some of my questions and just kind of did like a, like a screen transition. And so he'd, so he'd answer something and you wouldn't hear my question, which is fine. It, it flowed. Okay. But it wasn't the way I'd drawn it up. So it's, it's like 90% him on camera, which it should be anyway. Um, right. But no, he, he did a really good job with it. He's, he's a funny guy, but uh, yeah, the views Very on cool. that were okay. And I don't do any of the, you know, the Amazon like referral links or anything like that. I don't want to get involved in that. It's like, if you want to go buy it, go buy it, but I'm not going to make my two cents off your book purchase, you know? Um, so I don't do any of that, but I, I would when definitely you start like getting to, 30 to 40 to hundred thousand views per, per video. You might rethink that. I, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, compliance wise, it's, it's an issue or something. I don't oh. want to lose that sort of like oh, objectivity anyway. Like I don't want, I just wouldn't want to do that. If it was something I ended up doing like full time and I was doing, you know, five book reviews a week or something like that, then maybe, but right uh, right now it's not, it'd be more hassle for the few pennies that I'd get. Yeah. I kind of see how, what you mean on that. I mean, um, a lot of this software that we, uh, that we see in our 
clients that we that we advise and support for our clients. They, there's a lot of uh, partner programs and referral mm. programs where you know if a client, if a you know law firm or dental practice buys the product, you can get kind of a kickback. We don't. I don't think we. I don't think we do. We we don't have. We don't participate in any of those um, right now because it kind of it's nice to be impartial mm -hmm. and it's and it's kind of nice to say uh you know these are all the products that are available and this is why these are the you know we like to say like these this is what we think you should focus on and to solve your problems rather than kind of being steered so i, I get what you mean on that yeah and that's a big deal in our profession because there's the there's the fiduciary advisors that actually have to work in in that capacity they don't take any other fees except what their client pays for them. And then there's a mm -hmm. whole other side of the business that's allowed to do that. And the way we do business is like 10% of the industry. The rest of it is, you know, clients are paying them for advice and then they're turning around and selling them a product that they get. That just, I don't know, for me, that like blows my mind that that's even the one clients would tolerate it. And two people would want to be in that business. If somebody's paying you for advice, you shouldn't, that's all they should be paying. It shouldn't be a commission-based. You shouldn't be in front of somebody with three solutions and one of them pays you more than the other two. Like right. I, that, that to me like blows my mind, but, but a lot right. of businesses are like that. It's more acceptable in some than, than others, I guess, but uh, right. for right. ours, hopefully it's moving in the right direction. Yeah. I can appreciate that for sure. You, you, you know, everybody's, everybody's, everybody's deserving of the best solution, best product, best, um, uh, you know, best fit for their need rather than some, somebody getting, you know, lining their po pockets because they can steer you. Mm -hmm. I would, I would, I would say that, you know, we, we've had, you know, I started my business, I always forget 15, 17 years ago. We, we still have our very first client, uh, and many of our very first clients. And, um, I would only like to say that that's probably because of the integrity that we, you know, we, we've always, I started the business because, um, you know, my former employer, you know, kind of pushed me to sell something that wasn't, I didn't think was the best fit for our client at the time. And I just like, I just can't, I knew early on, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't consult like that. I couldn't help people like that. So yeah. Yeah. Um, totally. Well, what you I will say it probably takes a little bit longer to get a business up and running that way. Like there are a lot of ways to take a, take shortcuts and take paths to get, you know, a quick cut or a quick commission or whatever. So financially it takes a little bit longer to do things right, but the, the staying power, the longevity of your client relationships, the, the quality of the business, all of that totally. stuff is, is totally. totally worth it. Yeah. I mean, in the service economy, you know, the the service itself is never is rarely unique. I mean, what you know, what you do, what we do for our clients. If you're a doctor, if you're a lawyer, your service isn't unique. That's not the, the, the what's unique is the is the relationship, the 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 trust relationship you you know we build with our clients. And to me, that's the currency, and that's the most valuable thing that we protect. And um, you know, not everybody not everybody operates like that, um, but good on them, I guess. And and when you when you discover that your IT company is sleazy and doing you wrong, give us a call. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and and to to a lot of vendors and products, uh, to their credit, a lot of them will have those kind of dual structures where they'll say, okay, if you want, you know, this product costs a hundred dollars to your clients, and then we'll pay you ten, or if you just want to have it straight clean, offer it to your clients for ninety dollars. A lot of, uh, you know, in, in our business, it's not quite like that is, is clean, but I know in, in some other businesses, uh, people that I've talked to, they're like, okay, we, we appreciate that you don't want any compensation. So we have a, a clean version of it or a clean share or something like that, that, uh, and then I think I mean, that's it, a competitive advantage because then you can offer it at a lower cost and maybe somebody down the street might. It's true. I mean, but look at me kind of, I'm not flip-flopping. I'm just, I, I'm, I'm nodding to the, the wholesale retail uh, paradigm. Mm -hmm. You know, whenever you walk into a store, every single thing on those store shelves was acquired by that store for less than you're about to pay for it. Sure. So the value proposition for the retailer is, is bringing the products to you in a venue that, you know, brings you uh, usefulness, you know? Mm -hmm. um, 
So, and in, in our relationship with our, you know, we do resell products, we do resell services. Um, so I would, I would like to compartmentalize that with, you know, every, you know, our, our price, you know, every, all the products and services that we resell, for example, you can Google every single one of them and see what the retail price is. And for that reason, our pricing is always aligned with retail. And, um, but the kind of the other side of the house, I think is the, you know, partnerships with vendors that, um, you know, try to say like, get us in front of your clients for, for a, a bigger kind of cut of their contract in competition with the others, you know? Um, so it's kind of, it's, it's kind of like, how do you be the same and how do you be different? You know, um, if I'm making, I'm not sure I'm making any sense, but. No, you are. I mean, there's a difference between, Hey, put us in front of your clients and we'll give you uh, you know, a set of Ranger tickets or a, a couple airline <laughs> tickets somewhere, which you're laughing, but it obviously does happen. It's, it's, it does, it's a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So but it's, uh, it's interesting how to kind of think of that constructively, how that's different than the wholesale retail paradigm versus um, kickbacks, I guess, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so that's interesting. I, you know, I, in that context, I, 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 you know, thought on it, but it was so easy. I don't know how I, my, my mind kind of differentiates. I mean, I, I think maybe it's because the products and services that we resell are, like I said, searchable, uh, easily searchable. So you can take any product that we put on a quote for our client and you can literally Google the exact product and then see what the retail price is. And then you'll see our quote. It's exactly the same thing. Or some, sometimes we have, we have an incentive. We are transparent with our clients. So when, when we resell products, for example, that um, the value we do charge kind of like a shipping and handling that can make the product products that we resell feel like there's kind of a premium to, to purchasing them through us, but there's always, there's always a value proposition. Why would our, our you know, the clients who buy their products through us, they're benefiting from having us handle the logistics and the coordination. So that's what the fee of the shipping and handling pays for. We're, we're totally transparent and we're completely agnostic with our clients and uh, whether they buy through us or they buy uh, on their own, because if they buy, if they take, they're paying us for the recommendation or the consultation of what products. So we're, you know, that's our key. That's our primary business model is the service and intellectual uh, service, so to speak. And, um, and we have some clients to say, thank you for the recommendation. We'll let you know when it comes in <laughs> and, and that's fine. Um, I can't tell you how many times we've shown up on site and the, the client has ordered the wrong product that, which wasn't exactly on, which is not, you know, wasn't exactly what we recommended. And then they either have to pay us for our time in, um, bringing that product up to speed. Like, I don't know if you know, but like Windows, Microsoft sells like a, used to sell like a home version of windows and a yeah. pro version and the home version uh didn't join to a corporate network so you always had to upgrade it if you had a home version you had to upgrade it to the pro version well that for us back then for us to do that was a couple hours of uh, of time so and and our hourly rate far exceeded what our shipping and handling would have cost if they acquired that product through us you know what i mean so they used to have the the uh teacher and student edition, right? Which was like a skinny teacher. down version of all that. So people used to get that thinking they were, you know, and yeah. then it had, uh, my, what was it? Microsoft works, right? Well, it was like the knockoff. Microsoft works. The, yeah. yeah. It was like the knockoff of the office stuff. Um, yeah. but yeah, no, I guess, I guess you want to come down to the point where any sort of additional compensation or anything you might get doesn't influence your decision or, um, put you down a path where you're not implementing the right solution, which is something yeah, hopefully you wouldn't do anyway. For all the business owners out there, if you're twirling your, your mustache while you're contemplating how to structure your uh, fee, mm -hmm. fee engagements with your clients, maybe you're not doing it right. I don't know if you're, if you're really yeah. thinking about your client's best interest first and then, and then making sure that you can monetize and run a business doing it. That's always been my approach. You know, are we, are we, are we, helping people first and then is there is there a fair market value in being able to run a, a profitable business that we can grow and continue to reinvest and growing and becoming a better product blah blah, blah. so a little kumbaya there for business management yeah yeah and then uh yeah i guess to, to wrap up that point too is there's certainly people who if they're getting uh compensation back from sort of product 
a lot of times they'll offset their hourly rate or their project rate. And they'll say, Hey, you know, normally to do this, you know, project, it's a thousand dollars, but, uh, ABC, you know, product gave us $200 commission. So we're going to pay you, we're going to charge you 800 or something like that. There's certainly folks that do it that way too. Trend. Yep. Transparency and fair yeah. value, right? Yeah, absolutely. But you want to talk about news? Yeah, sure. Uh, I can pull up our flipboard here if there's something that in there that you wanted to talk about. So for the viewers out there, um, we use flipboard.com. We have a magazine. I think they call magazines. I really should find out that that's the case. That's what they call (laughs) Yeah, magazines, I think. Is it a magazine? A flipboard? Yeah, Yeah, it is called a flipboard magazine. Is We have a flipboard magazine that we curate and pin news articles to that Brian and I find interesting throughout the week. And uh, it seems like we're, I'm, I'm kind of happy with how the show structure is kind of formulating, you know, we're starting with, with the catch up and how, how, you know, how we're doing over the weekend, family and personal stuff. And then we go into um, any business development and business stuff that we find interesting the previous week. And then we kind of, we finish up with uh, the news, what we find interesting in the news. Um, I'm pulling us up here. I, I see I pinned a couple here. What do you got? Yeah, and I do. I do have it shared on our on our screen too. We do have a, a Facebook group. I'm sure over time we'll get better at uh, Eric's a little bit better on the Flipboard. I do a lot of Facebook group stuff, True. but uh, over time we'll get some some carryover or crossover, or maybe we won't. Maybe that's okay too. But um, so we do have both things going on. Um, it looks like uh, you know from the stuff you flipped in here, we're on the we're on the same track. I mean, uh, from you know a lot of as we always talk about, there's a lot of areas where our worlds collide. Um, you know, the Peloton's up big today because there's rumors of of a buyout from from Amazon or Nike or maybe even a, a dark horse there. So that's a an wow. area of science and technology. I uh, saw the it. rumors that that we're talking about Apple picking it up, and I and I I mean it, immediately I was like, I mean it's a premium product and Apple's in mm-hmm. you know premium space, but yeah. I just don't see it. I don't I just don't see them wanting to get into exercise equipment. But you're 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 saying that maybe I could see maybe Amazon picking them up. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I think it's probably a little bit more natural fit. They could tie the membership into their Prime, you know, so to speak, because their Prime membership went up. Now it's hundred and what thirty nine dollars. Yeah, but more um, more than that. I mean, I mean, obviously, Apple's a consumer electronics company, so they certainly have the know how to run, you know, pro, you know, a hardware products game for sure. Of course, I just feel like it's you know. It's more, it's more, it's more Amazon-ish to have, you know, because they, they, I don't know, you know, what Amazon selects are. No, Am, Amazon selects. They, they, it's like if you, there's so many reports on, like, it's really kind of the sleazy side of Amazon. What they, what they do is they, they have all the analytics. They know what products uh, have the widest margins and sell the best. And um, like, have you ever bought batteries from Amazon? that were oh, yeah. branded yeah. Amazon. Right. You, you know what I mean? Uh, they, they, they go into these space. It's crazy. They go into these spaces where, um, you know, uh, a vendor or manufacturer is it's their unique product per se, but with, you know, lacking a patent or whatever. And then Amazon just, uh, count, I don't want to say counterfeit cause that implies illegal, Ill, illegal, Illicit activity, but they basically copy it and then they put it on and they call it Amazon Select or something. And and then we show up and you know and we're like we you look at the two different branded products and you're you just if they're all the same you just buy the cheaper one, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean that that yeah the Peloton acquisition would would be interesting. I mean I think it you know it could, with with Apple they could. You know, obviously they have all the watch stuff and they have the the phone, which from a technology standpoint, I think would integrate a little bit better. But yeah, I think it's probably a better fit with, with Amazon because it's still, even though the revenue is coming from the subscription, it's still very much a hard, you know, you got to be shipping bikes and stuff like that, which was more in yeah. Amazon's wheelhouse. I mean, look at it. I mean, then they have to consider like, are they going to do treadmills? Are they going to mm-hmm. do Stairmasters? Yeah. Are they going to do bikes? You know, I just don't see Apple doing that. I mean, if they were going to buy, um, I'm surprised if anything, they didn't buy like, um, Garmin. I have a, uh, um, not Garmin, but like, um, as, uh, Aria is Aria a company. I have a smart scale that oh, yeah. has an app and it's Wi-Fi connected. I bought it 10 years ago. And I think that company ended up getting picked up by maybe Fitbit or something. Mm-hmm. And there's another one called with things, I think, but okay. if, if Apple was going to get into like the health hardware space, 
to complement the watch and the analytics, I would have thought that they'd be buy, buying or making smart scales, uh, blood pressure cuffs, yeah, um, blood ox things, you know. Right. But I, I just don't see them getting into exercise equipment. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the Garmin ecosystem for that stuff. I wear the Garmin watch, Garmin scale. I have the Garmin heart rate monitor, and that stuff is all like most of the you know, not that I'm on that level, but you see a lot of the high level triathletes or Olympians and they're usually Garmin They're You know, they're not wearing their Apple watch. They're wearing Garmin stuff. So, um, yeah, I just but, saw an article. I didn't, I didn't pin it, but I, I just saw an article or no, it was a video on YouTube by CNBC. CNBC has um, a bunch of like 12 to 20 minute um, uh, videos that they do that I find interesting, but they just did a, they just did one that, that was like uh they actually did the calculus on what, how accurate the calorie tracking was for the Apple watch. And they're like, and I think the thing is like, it's not that accurate, but so that's cool. Are you, are you a runner? Yeah, I was more a long time ago than I am now. I don't do too much now, but yeah, a long time ago I was many cool. moons ago. I, I will, I will admit but, that. Uh, I yeah. My... I like my Garmin watch. I got that when I was running a lot more. What's nice about those is, Anytime there's been any issue, I've sent it back and they will send it out. They won't even ask questions, you know, and I'm yeah. the guy who's always like trying to explain like that. I, oh, no, I didn't like smash it with a hammer. It's like, here's what happened. And they, they don't care. But uh, that's cool. I've had like Garmin's a couple a... bands break, nothing out of the ordinary, but you have to send the whole watch back and they just, you know, they send you a new one. Obviously, they're not, you know, fixing it and stuff. But um, yeah, I, I like cool. the Garmin stuff and it. For me, it does appear to be the most accurate. Obviously, they got their start doing the, the GPS and all that kind of stuff. So it's been a natural transition for them on the watch side. Did you see the the uh, the, the article I pinned on Amazon raising its price $20 a year to $139 now, Amazon yeah, Prime? Yeah, it's a big deal. That is a big deal. Um, but I don't Did think you see my gonna... comment? <laughs> yeah. We have about weather for inflation. I mean, all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's that's the stuff that gets you on the budgets. The one that got me was was uh, was Netflix because I really do think that will hurt them. I mean, once you get into that twenty dollar range, it's like there's not that much that's great on there. Um, yeah, but the, don't isn't but isn't it a bellwether for? So my comment is that you know Amazon raising their their. I mean, they started when it was ninety nine dollars a year, wasn't it? Was yeah. that the magic number? Mm -hmm. And they, I remember they went up to one ten, and now they're going up to one thirty nine. Yeah. And so you know, my comment is that if there ever were a bellwether for inflation, it's got to be Amazon Prime. You know, price increases, and, and you know, I forgot Netflix increased what last. Was it last month or so they, they announced a price increase? Yeah. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah. I saw the, uh, I don't know, one of the comedians, I think it was Jim Gaffigan or something. He was like, wouldn't it be great if all these streaming services just all bundled together and called it one thing like cable or something, you know, <laughs> right. We, we went down this path. Everybody wanted this. I remember John McCain talking about like a la carte and you should be able to buy whatever you want and not be forced into some bundle. Like, yeah, when you start adding up all the different services or whatever, we're probably better so off when we just had it through through cable with one bill I, a month. I would argue, I would only argue that having them be separate companies um kind of supercharges innovation because yes. I've I've always poo-pooed and, and shunned cable television because the that Comcast controller and the menus and the experience and then the company and their fees, like it just was a bad experience. And having your quote unquote cable uh, amalgamation amount to a whole bunch of streaming services, you know, they have to compete to be better. And I think that that would be my comment to, you know, we're probably paying more or the same as what a cable subscription service would be, but, but at least it's, there's competition now. So now, yeah, you know, right. com competition breeds excellence. So. Right. And, uh, and I think the quality is a lot better now. I mean, most TV shows are like, you know, they're movie quality, which you used to have to go to go to the movies to see. But I mean, it's like some of these shows now and the, the production value and the special effects and all that kind of stuff. It's like light years ahead of way where it was. And, it, and totally. the assumption with, you know, you look at these streaming services and you're, you're multiplying it out time by 12 months or whatever, but you don't have to do that. You can have Netflix for, th for three months, cuts up on all your shows and then kill it for nine months and come back. True. You know, like a lot of people just have that kind of stuff, like through the winter or something. And then in the summer, they just, you know, they cancel I, it. They turn their HBO off because they're not watching TV. And, yeah, you know. I do that with uh, YouTube. 
uh, TV, I think mm-hmm. $65 a month for effectively a cable television subscription. And I only do it for football because right. NFL makes it way too hard to consume their product. I, I mm-hmm. hate that about the NFL. I really do. Um, but yeah, after the Super Bowl, I'll be canceling YouTube TV for $65 a month until, until August, just because that's the only thing we, we, you know, I use it for. Right. Um, but you know, it's what's going to happen and it always happens and it's fine. It's part of the normal economic process is um, consolidation. You know, when sure. is, Reed, is Reed Hastings is, is still the CEO of Netflix? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. Reed, Reed Hastings, uh, quick Google search. Yeah, Reed Hastings, I'm pretty sure is the founder. Yeah, he's the co-founder, chairman and CEO, co-CEO of Netflix. And my prediction is when he's ready to retire, um, just before his retirement, um, Netflix will probably be bought by the likes of Apple or um, Apple already owns, I think, Hulu and Disney or significant share holder of it. Um, But these things will start, they'll start to consolidate or, or, you know, you know what, but maybe even Spotify. Can you imagine? Yeah, they've got their own issues to deal with. I could spend another hour on that, but uh, I know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you can see that there, you know, market consolidation is, is, a, is a normal process, normally occurring process anyways. Yeah. Um, but they'll start to consolidate and then, the, you know, all, the, cab- the cable, the feared cable plan will, will probably resurface someday, maybe. Yeah. Um, and we're getting close to the end of our end of our session here. I wanted to, did you ever uh, hear the story about how they started Amazon Prime and Bezos got the idea for it? He no. actually had gone out to dinner with the CEO of Costco and they were joking about the idea of the Costco membership and how ridiculous it was that Costco could charge people a membership fee to, for the privilege of coming and buying things at their store. And they, they kind of start, they were joking about it, actually kind of mocking the, the customer in a way. And, uh, and Bezos was like, oh yeah, I should probably do that for Amazon. And they were joking about it. And that's how Prime started. It was basically, let's see how stupid consumers are. Let's see if they're dumb enough to pay a hundred bucks a year for the privilege of shopping on my website. And, so well. so I would say that that's, that's funny. And uh, my wife and I just finally agreed that we, we stopped going to Costco. Um, you know, it was novel at first. I bet you they have a pretty, pretty steep drop off actually. When we were, we were members for a couple of years mm-hmm. and the value just wasn't there to maintain the membership. We, we don't need to buy bulk peanut butter and, and um, you know, they just didn't have the value proposition wasn't there. So we actually didn't renew, um, you know, a couple, three, three months ago, two months ago, three months ago, something like that. And I don't think we will because the, the value is not there. Devil's advocate, I would say that kind of Amazon Prime does have val- have the value. I mean, Prime uh, shipping alone. I mean, I, I am ashamed to admit that I don't even, I rarely price shop anymore when I need something. Batteries, I just bought slippers. Like I'm sitting, I'm like, oh, my slippers are beat. They're way past due and I and I need new slippers. I just went to Amazon. I just did some shopping and could I have saved $5 on, on a pair of slippers? Maybe, but the the prime shipping is so reliable. It's so reliable. I mean, I we're going to Cancun next week and I bought shorts uh, at, well, that was Banana Republic, but what else? So I think my wife was buying, um, she bought like six pairs of, uh, six bathing suits and returned all but one that, that she didn't want. Maybe she kept two. I don't know, but I don't know. There's value in that, the prime shipping alone. And then when, um, and then the digital services that come with a prime membership. Yeah. And I'm not even selling it. I'm just saying like this practically there's value there. So Maybe if the, you know, there was a inflection point, I think where the prime membership, I mean, 140, that's a pretty big jump. I mean, yeah, you know, that tw- a $20 jump for a service like that is, it's pretty ballsy. I mean, I, so we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I figured though it's still 10, 12, you know, 12 bucks a month. It's not terrible, I guess. I, I guess it depends on your, the volume of stuff that you're getting. I guess in that way, it's like Costco, right? I mean, if you are got a family of eight or whatever, and you're constantly needing things and ordering stuff, uh, if you're a, a single person, it might not be might not but, be the right. I mean, don't forget, you can still you can still buy all the products and services that Amazon mm-hmm. sells without the Prime membership. Um, right. 
you you can still get standard shipping, but man, the shipping, uh, do you do a lot of shopping on Amazon? Do. Do you, you yeah. know, the, that prime shipping that it's, it's uh, for, I, you know, my sister was all into this two years ago, three years ago. And she's like, I only, I only shop, I have an, <laughs> what she say? I have an unhealthy relationship with, with, with Amazon yeah, and, uh, or an abusive relationship with Amazon. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of all into it. It's just so easy. It's just so, mm-hmm. so easy. And, um, you know, we're, we're, I have uh, echo Amazon echo devices, uh, in every room of our house now. And, I've converted them all to screens and it's wonderful. I, I sync our uh, phone uh, photo albums to Amazon photos and that's included with the prime with unlimited storage. And it's amazing. We have digital photo uh, frames all over the house. And even on our TVs, we have fire sticks as the predominant tool that we use for TV viewing. And it's wonderful. All, all of our my uh, photos just circulate around the house. It's, yeah. yeah that is nice yeah it's kind of nice all right well, so we can keep waxing and, uh, poetic here on, on yeah. prime but uh, you, i guess we'll we'll call it a day what do you think yeah i think so i gotta get going here so yeah uh so tell us where to find you yeah so i'm eric bjorndorf the ceo and senior consultant at evernet consulting we're a business it services consulting company all over america uh, find me at evernetco.com. Schedule your first discovery call with me personally right on our website there. The brand new calendar app, right? Right. <laughs> I'm Brian Williams from Northshire Consulting, which is an investment advisory firm. We work with uh, small businesses on the retirement plan side and individuals and families. Uh, so you can find us at northshireconsulting.com with our calendar on there. And uh, for YouTube presence and Facebook, we use uh, 401k and beyond. That's kind of the avenue we've went down there and the name we've adopted. So that's our YouTube channel where we post uh, different financial topics, mutual fund reviews, that sort of stuff. And our Facebook group where people can ask questions and we can answer them to the best of our ability, very generally, not specific investment advice, of course, but we can share uh people in similar situations, what they've done. So that's who we are and where to find us. And uh, from next week, you'll be broadcasting from where? Yeah, so I'm. Uh, we're leaving on Wednesday the 16th. So uh, okay. I'll be here Monday uh, next week and it'll be the following week. I'll be in Cancun and you and I will like, I'll try, I'll try to do recording um, in, uh, in board shorts and a tank top and see how that works out. So forgive me if um, we may not do a show if it doesn't work out next, uh, two weeks from now. All right. Sounds good. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Brian. Have a good weekend.